Section 6. Commitment. Commitment is a shortcut to success. The moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. William Hutchison Murray. If you're a basketball fan and you go to a game, you're expecting to see players executing their slickest dribbles, shooting their most calculated shots, and playing their most tenacious defense. I'm not even a basketball fan, but I know that at a basketball game, I'd want to see people trying their hardest to do their best. Whether they're professional or amateur is irrelevant. If they're not trying, I'll be disappointed. On the other hand, I was recently walking through my neighborhood and I saw a bunch of kids around seven or eight years old playing football and I was transfixed. They were pretty good, but they were so committed, lunging for every ball, diving to make saves, cheering each goal like it was a Champions League final. I couldn't stop watching. And just as it is for the sports analogies above, so it is for improv and music, movies, opera, paintings, sculpture, computers, carpentry, anything. You don't want to see a master carpenter's wobbly coffee table or go to a concert where the band decides to play like the first half of a few songs and the bass player doesn't bother plugging in her bass. And you won't buy an album or watch a movie that doesn't show 100% commitment to the finished product. It's not just trying, though. The greats make things look easy, effortless even, but that doesn't mean that they're not committed. In fact, all of this goes double for the really talented. The virtuoso musicians, the preternatural goal scorers, the innate comedian. If they're not committed to what they're doing, it's not just a shame, it's a tragedy of squandered potential. Think of any person at the top of their field and ask yourself if they got there with half-assed attempts. Nope. And even though you may not want to be a professional improviser, that doesn't mean you shouldn't treat it with respect, especially if it's something you care about. If you're just improvising for fun, then commit fully to that and have the most fun you possibly can. And for those of us who don't have all that raw talent, well, we've got little but our commitment to contribute. Commit to your scenario. Do or do not. There is no try. Yoda. Too much improv is never given a chance to succeed because we see timid or uncommitted players. Not timid characters, timid players. If your character is chopping firewood, your best, simplest, and strongest choice is to just get in there and chop firewood like your life depends on it, like it really matters. Hell, your character's life could depend on it. For all you know, their plane may have crashed into a frozen mountain and chopping this wood and lighting the fire could be the key to survival. Or they could be chopping wood to stoke the pot-bellied stove at a rented cabin where they've come for a romantic retreat. The stakes are different, but the commitment is unerring. Hey, I hear you cry. What if I want to half-commit? What if my character is half-heartedly chopping firewood because they're a resentful teenager, for example? No problem. Just go at it 100% and completely half-assed. Some schools of thought hold that the character should be worn lightly over the improviser, or that the whole scene should be played as if winking at your audience as you do these things. Now, I don't agree. I'd rather see a player commit 100% to what they're doing rather than pretending or doing everything in quotes. 
An audience wants to believe and willingly suspends their disbelief. There is zero danger of the audience thinking you've actually crash-landed in the woods and you're mime-chopping firewood to really save your life. They want to see you invested so that they too can invest in what's happening. In my younger playing days, I had two modes on stage, one being a full and probably intensely and occasionally terrifying commitment and super high energy, and the other was a laid-back, feigned indifference, basically telling the audience that I was so super casual, I didn't really care what they thought. Now, the mode of over-exuberance uh, and, like, insane intensity is the one that I find most embarrassing to me now, but it's also the one that I respect the most because that was when I was really committed. That projected attitude of nonchalance or indifference, I regret that completely because this attitude did two things for me. One, it insulated me against any criticism or negative reactions, so there was zero risk and little chance for growth. And the other thing it did was it allowed me to hide from the audience. I could do jokes and characters without actually presenting myself. I was keeping myself safe by hiding from them. But if they couldn't touch me, how could I possibly think that I would be able to touch them? Dig deeper. Work harder. Perform more often and more completely, more authentically, with unswerving commitment, intensity, and drive. It may seem counter to the take-it-easy ethos, but actually it's not. Take-it-easy is about doing less in a more productive way. Deep commitment allows you to achieve this. Show your audience a good time. The audience is the true mirror. Yoshi Oida. Audiences come to a show to enjoy themselves, which they can only do when they feel like they're in safe hands. This is because the audience will unconsciously mirror your attitude and behavior. This is particularly important when opening and closing a show, but it also goes for all your side stage and backline behavior. It should go without saying that this has nothing to do with character choices, but everything to do with how you, as a performer, approach your time facing the audience when you're not in character or in a scene. If you went bungee jumping and the guy tying your rope was shifting nervously and told you, uh, look, I'm not so sure about this. I mean, I'm not really so good at tying knots. I mean, I like it, but it's just something I do for fun. And then shrugged while not making eye contact with you. How would you feel? Would you still go bungee jumping? Obviously, watching an improv show isn't as life-threatening as jumping off a railroad trestle with a big rubber band tied around your ankles, but they're different manifestations of the same principle. For the audience to feel relaxed, they need to feel the leader is in charge. And if you're hosting a show, you're the leader. If you're not hosting the show but are performing in it, you're not a leader in the same way, but you're still more of a leader than someone sitting in the audience, and they need to feel like you know what you're doing. Your comfort and enjoyment will lead to their comfort and enjoyment. Any music act that sells out a stadium knows that it's not just about playing the music, it's about putting on a show. Obviously, performing improv comedy in a room above a pub to a crowd of 15 or so friends and friends of friends is on a much different level than a sellout stadium tour. But that's actually when it's most important. I imagine that performing in a stadium to thousands of adoring fans screaming their heads off is, if not exactly easy, then at least facilitated by the fact that people are excited to see you 
They want to be there and they paid money to do so. In improv, none of this is necessarily true, which makes it all the more important to make them feel like they're investing their time well. If you suggest you don't want to be there or that the audience numbers are lower than you feel you deserve or whatever, the show's chances of success start decreasing. You can just as easily turn it around so that the chances of success start increasing. Think back to that bungee technician. What are the, I don't know what they're called. Bungee guide? Bungee master? Bungini? I don't know. Um, but think back to that person and how he or she might help someone loosen up and enjoy themselves. Act confident. Be grateful but humbled by the attention of the audience who did come. You can double down on your commitment to having fun and doing a great show. All other things being equal, that should be enough. In his seminal book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie talks about the magician Thurston the Great, who was one of the biggest magicians of the first half of the 20th century. This is what Carnegie had to say about how the great magician became so successful. Thurston had a genuine interest in people. He told me that many magicians would look at the audience and say to themselves, well, there is a bunch of suckers out there, bunch of hicks. I'll fool them, all right. But Thurston's method was totally different. He told me that every time he went on stage, he said to himself, I am grateful because these people come to see me. They make it possible for me to make my living in a most agreeable way. I'm going to give them the best I possibly can. End of quote. It's an unabashed gratitude and enthusiasm that might seem a little out of place in our modern era, but that doesn't make it any less powerful nor any less appropriate. Of course, you probably don't make your living as an improviser, but if you do, congratulations, the dream is real! But regardless, be grateful to your audience for coming and give them a show they can enjoy, to the best of your ability, every time. This little commitment list means, which I've put down below, is listen hard, focus completely, concentrate intensely, care a lot, have fun because it is, and relax because you deserve it. And that's the end of that chapter and section.